take a moment to acknowledge that this is a weird feeling kind of day? Yes. Amen? Yes. It feels weird, right? Like it's 50 degrees outside, it's kind of rainy, but it's a snow sky, but it's December. Everything feels unsettled. And I'm not about to make it better. I'm just going <laughs> to throw that out there. So this is our Sunday of peace, but we're about to throw out the window what we so often believe about peace. And so it seems appropriate, beloveds, that as we gather to reflect on these words of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1 through 18, we find ourselves in a weird space. And we find ourselves on the precipice of a very profound journey, a journey that will bring us a little closer, I hope and pray, toward what it means to embody peace, a peace that transcends calmness, because I am not good at that, and assures us that no matter what the storms are, we shall emerge unscathed. So let us hear from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. This is taking us a little bit backwards from where we were last week, um, but this is the beginning of the good news. And I'm reading from the Common English Bible Translation, but as always, I encourage you to hear this or to follow along in the biblical language that best connects you with God. So once again, Mark 1, verses 1 through 8, the beginning of good news. In the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's son, happened just as it was written about in the prophecy of Isaiah. Look, I am sending my messenger before you. He will prepare your way. A voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make their paths straight. Now John the Baptist was in the wilderness and he was calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. Everyone in Judea and all of the people of Jerusalem went out to the Jordan River and were being baptized by John as they confessed their sin. Now John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt tied around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. He announced, one stronger than I am is coming after me. I am not even worthy to bend over and loosen the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. These are the lessons of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right, here we are at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. The literal beginning, according to the writer, of Jesus's ministry, that is. Now, this being Advent and the time leading up to our anticipated birth of Christ, we're so used to hearing birth stories. Amen? Amen? 
We're used to hearing about uh, the, the journey of Mary and Joseph. But this is a gospel without a birth narrative. So if you're looking for angels, farm animals, and babies, this ain't it. You're not going to find it in this gospel. For whatever reason, and for scholars, I assure you, there are many reasons, the writer of Mark wanted to emphasize something different. As we often talk about in our gospels, each gospel is written for a particular community. And for this community, this Mark community, well, what mattered to them was that Jesus was the Son of God. Now, Mark as a whole is very straightforward, very short and to the point. We like that. In a world where so many of us suffer from decision fatigue, where you can't make a decision because there's too many choices, or we have too much information to parse through, I find Mark's approach very refreshing. Mark comes right out of the gate with what you need to know to understand A, what is happening, and B, what is about to happen. One, Jesus is the Son of God, point blank, period, done. Two, how do we know this? Well, Jesus fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah. Those are the two points that you need to know going into Mark. And so now that we have that established, Mark takes us right to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And it begins with a proclamation, with a voice of one who is crying out in the wilderness. And this voice belongs to John the Baptist, a radical figure whose very existence challenges the very fabric of the society that he finds himself existing within. It's a society, and tell me if this sounds familiar, filled with power struggles with social injustices, with inequality. And John is calling, desperately calling, to all who would hear him to come to the river. Now, this is very different, because normally, normally, a cleansing would take place in a mikvah, in a special sacred bath. John is calling them to the river, a source of water that is ever-flowing, ever-moving, that can be considered a sacred source. He's calling them to the river to be baptized. And some of us may remember the, the old language that we grew up with, old being 20, 30 years ago, of repent. Well, what John is actually calling for is a radical transformation of heart and life. See, that's what repent means. It means declaring for yourself a new way of being. It is a radical change of heart, mind, and spirit. And that is what he is calling for when he calls people to the river. And truth be told, there is not much about that that's peaceful. Amen? Amen. When you're listening to this man who is eating, he's not eating bugs, by the way. Locusts are pods that are of the, the cocoa family. So he's eating cocoa beans, so no wonder he is the way he is. But there's not much shouting 
that seems peaceful. This man is from head to toe shouting, not just in voice, but in presence. And he's shouting in defiance of social norms. He's shouting in defiance of religious authority. So here we are in the heart of Advent, and we encounter the voice of John the Baptist, not in the comfort of a temple, but in a challenging wilderness, itself a symbol of struggles and uncertainties, all those things we face in our individual lives and in a broader world. And yes, he is far from peaceful, or is he? Too often we limit our understanding of peace to be a superficial calmness, a fleeting tranquility that, that dissipates when we are faced with the very harsh realities of our world. But peace is so much more than that, because peace is not just sitting back and watching things happen. Thank you, Diego. <laughs> Peace is about being revolutionary. It's about embracing something that is so different, you can't help but feel like everything's gonna be okay. Peace is more than Zenness, as we so often like to think about it. Peace is more than having the right kind of faith to move you through troubling times. Peace is a deep sense of being held. A deep sense of not just being held, but being held in the palm of God's hand. When the world is ablaze with hurt, and turmoil, and war, and shame, and sadness. This is the revolutionary peace proclaimed by John. In a time when the empire, for him it was the Roman Empire, you can pick which empire we're operating under, but it's a time when the empire maintains its hold on people through fear, through intimidation, and through shame. And this, this peace that he is proclaiming, this peace that he is shouting about in the wilderness, it is the same radical, revolutionary peace that embodied, that is embodied in Christ. And this peace this is the same peace that is offered to us today and every day. It is the same peace that we are offered, that we are invited to take in and fully embody in the same way. You see, when John cries out to the people to repent and be baptized, what he's doing is he is offering something so special, something never before experienced or seen, that people cannot help but line up and want to be a part of it. And we are being offered the same peace. 
It is a peace that we can experience when we take the time to do what John is calling out for us to do, which is to deeply reflect on ourselves and where our spirits reside in this world of ours. And this is as true whether you're in the first century world or the world of today. Because in all ways, in all things, we are preparing a way for the Prince of Peace to enter our lives. Amen. To enter our lives in a way that like a man in a, in a hair suit, eating locusts and honey, can be sh earth-shattering and life-changing. A way that is peace-bearing in a way that we have never seen before in our lives. It's a peace that goes beyond our emotional states. It's a peace that assures us that no matter the situation, no matter the trials, we are held in the unshakable embrace of God's love. But it will take a special kind of preparation for that peace to arrive. Something more than just having faith or praying the right words or attending the right church, or looking the right way, or loving the right person, or believing the right things will bring. And John, John is the one who is challenging us today to do that hard preparation work as we await the coming of the Messiah. And everything about John's message is challenging. His clothing of camel's hair and his diet of locusts and wild honey signify a challenge to the materialism and the excesses of his time. Even his choice of the wilderness as his pulpit is a deliberate challenge. It is a rejection of structures and systems that perpetuate harm. It is a challenge to us to recognize that true peace is not found in the well-paved and comfortable paths of our lives. What he calls us to beckons us to confront the wild and untamed aspects of our existence, to grapple with the injustices that plague our society, and to acknowledge that, yes, there are times when we are complicit in those systems that perpetuate suffering, whether we realize it or not. That's part of that radical change of mind, that recognition that we are not just cogs in the machine, but that we can affect true change when we recognize that we are being called to do it. And when we do that, when we begin the hard work of peeling back the layers of things which separate us from God, because that is sin, the breaking down of relationships between ourselves, between ourselves and God, and ourselves and ourselves. When we do that, when we pull back the layers of the things which separate us from God, from creation and one another, then we will know peace. Amen. 
It is the kind of peace that truly surpasses all understanding. It is God's peace. And the more we lean into that challenge to prepare ye the way of the Lord, the more we interrogate those very layers of ourselves and our spirits, the closer we get to truly embodying that peace. And that can be really scary at times. Amen? Embodying peace is hard. It requires unlearning things. It requires challenging the things that we have always thought to be true about ourselves and about the world. Embodying peace requires us to actively engage with the messy, chaotic aspects of life. To truly dismantle barriers that prevent true peace from ever taking root. Beloveds, it is not enough to simply read or hear these words of John the Baptist. It is not enough to sit with these words for 15 to 20 minutes and then shake them off when we cross the threshold of those sanctuary doors. Oh, no. True peace comes when we accept the invitation to embody peace in a way that confronts evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they may present themselves, which may sound familiar because those are our baptismal vows. This peace and preparation for the coming of Christ means doing hard things. It means actively, not passively, acknowledging and dismantling structures. It means hearing the voice calling out to us and moving into the challenge to be prophetic with our voices. It means to be like John the Baptist and challenge the way we've always done things. It means actively seeking a way to build a world where justice, mercy, and peace intertwine Only then will we know peace. Only then will the world know peace, true peace. And so as we journey through this Advent season together, my prayer is that we all heed the call of John the Baptist to prepare the way for the Prince of Peace. As we await this coming of Christ, who is coming and is always coming, let us commit ourselves to something different, to a radical embodiment of peace. May we recognize that with the peace of Christ, when we have it and hold it, we are equipped to face the challenges of our individual lives and the collective struggles of our communities. May we actively engage in the work of embodying peace in our hearts, peace in our relationships, and yes, peace in the world around us. So let us be voices in the wilderness. May we be the ones proclaiming a message of love, justice, and inclusion. May the peace of Christ, which surpasses all of our understanding, guard our hearts and minds as we do this hard work of being the voices in the wilderness in this season and beyond. May it be so for each and every one of us. Amen.
Amen.